0: Hey, next on the T-Nation, thanks for tuning in to this special bonus segment of the show featuring my conversation with Rick Werner. Rick is one of the top teaching professionals in our game. He's played in 10 National Club Pro Championships. He won the Ohio PGA Section Championship in 1979, and he's about to be inducted into the South Dakota Golf Hall of Fame. Thanks again for listening and for making Next on the T a part of your weekly golf content. Enjoy the segment. Okay, now making his next on the tee debut with me is Rick Warner. Let me give you some background on Rick. He is from Lexington, Virginia. Played his college golf at the University of South Dakota. In 1973, he won the South Dakota Golf Association Amateur Championship. And that year, he was also the medalist in the North Central Conference Tournament. And he was named All-American. Rick had two top 10 finishes in the National Club Pro Championship. In 1979, he won the Ohio PGA Section Championship. He's been a teaching professional at great clubs like Quaker Ridge in Scarsdale, New York. He's been the director of golf at the Country Club of Ashland, Ohio, and he retired as the director of golf at Royal Point Sienna Golf Club in Naples, Florida. Rick also served as the men's golf coach at Washington and Lee University from 2007 to 2012. Next week, he's going to be inducted into the South Dakota Golf Hall of Fame. He came highly recommended to me by our friend Bill Mallon, and I couldn't be more excited to have him with me here today on Next on the T. Hey, Rick, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Chris, I appreciate that. Nice introduction. You're doing your homework, man.
0: Uh, I try. I try. <laughs> so, Rick, I want to start out our time today by going back to your early days. I'm sort of curious, how does a kid from Lexington, Virginia end up playing his college golf at the University of South Dakota?
1: A- actually, Chris, I grew up in uh, Huron, South Dakota. And from there, I I went to the University University of South Dakota. But uh, yeah, I, I grew up first twenty three years. I was in uh, I grew up in huron South Dakota.
0: So you had a tremendous amount of success in South Dakota at the university, as a matter of fact. And I was curious to get your thoughts. What are some of the things that stuck out to you about your time at the University of South Dakota playing men's golf?
1: Well, we we had it's kind of a limited program. I mean, it's short season up there. We played the uh, three or four matches in the spring and a couple in the fall. But uh, I had a great coach, Dwayne Cloudfilter. He was just a, a wonderful individual. And he he was an inspiration for me for golf and life in general. And as a matter of fact, he was a basketball coach there for years. And in 1958, uh, USD won the uh, national uh, championship in their division. So co- coach is quite a guy, just a wonderful individual. So he, he really got me inspired. But I grew up playing my golf in Huron on a on a nine hole sand green golf course so it, i went from there to some played some of the best courses in the world so it's been quite a trip but chris
0: and like i mentioned in your intro rick we got introduced through bill mallon former pga tour pro who has become a fantastic doctor after his time out on tour you guys were friends in high school right
1: well we actually met in about uh once i got out of college in about 1974 down at john's island club and. In Vero Beach, Bill was getting ready for the tour, and I was uh, cleaning clubs and picking up the range. But we've been good friends for 50 years. He's he's quite a guy, as you as you know. Bill was uh, he won everything in uh, New England, All-American a Duke, got his tour uh, card in like '75, played the tour for four years. And as I say, tour wasn't enough of a challenge for Bill, so we went back to med school, and he's just nationally known as an orthopedic surgeon, president of the association, and so on. He's he's just a wonderful individual.
0: He told me a story about when you were in high school, and for most guys my age, when when I was in high school, most of my friends, they had the, the famous Farrah Fawcett poster on their wall. I came into liking Charlie's Angels a little bit after she left, and Cheryl Ladd was the poster I had on my wall. You do me one better. You dated Cheryl Ladd in high school.
1: Well, I that, that's a little bit of a stretch. She was <clears throat> Chris. She was uh, her name was sherry stoppermore but she grew up and she was a year younger and she lived about two blocks away and i think everybody she was so good looking i think everybody's afraid to date her but uh i don't know i maybe met her at the movie one time or something like that but yeah she and she's quite a golf uh fanatic she wrote a little book here years back but yeah she she's a she's quite a golf fanatic so yeah she's a beautifully talented woman and uh she went on to a lot of success there
0: Going back to your playing career, in 79, as I mentioned in your intro, you won the Ohio PGA section. There's a lot of great golf talent up in the state of Ohio. What do you remember about that event?
1: Uh look, It's kind of interesting. It, yeah, I, I'll try not to drag it out, but in uh, in 79, we played at, uh I'll try to think of the golf course, it'll come to me, but in Cleveland, I got paired with Charlie Sifford the first round. And I heard, you know, Charlie could be, difficult and and bitter in a way because he was tremendous talent in the 50s and early 60s and as i understand the pga of america was caucasian only until like 1967 so charlie couldn't play but i got paired with charlie in the first round and and uh about the first six holes he doesn't say anything i don't say anything i'm just being you know i'm just staying staying out of his way and minding my own business and about the sixth hole the uh we got uh, backed up and and I, i'm like two under i mean i'm just playing lights out for me and charlie comes over and says son you play pretty well he said uh, who taught you to play and i said well ken venturi and charlie said oh my goodness he just broke into a smile He says, kenny's one of the good ones he's one of the one of the few that taught me with respect and invited me to play practice rounds and went to dinner so we kind of became friends a little bit after that and with we I was leading 69, and a couple of good players. Jim Masseria was a good player, Won the USJ Junior, and Brian Abbott. A lot of good players up there, Jim Logan. So at dinner, Charlie Charlie goes around the table after dinner. A lot of guys having a couple of beers. Charlie says, like, boys, who do you think going to win tomorrow? And it's well, Masseria or Abbott or whatever. Charlie says, i tell you what, I'll take the kid that's leading against the field. Anybody wanting that action? So before wow. we start with, so, with making sure... Charlie bet like a thousand dollars, something like that. I mean, I I've been, I bet I next, sitting next to Charlie. I said, Charlie, I might shoot eighty nine tomorrow. He said, "Don't worry, kid, to be all right." Well, the next day, somehow, some way, I shot sixty seven. I one by a five. At the presentation, I get my check for four hundred. I walk by Charlie, and he's smiling from ear to ear. Then he's got a handful of fifties and hundreds just smiling. He's a like, way to go, pro, good playing. So I found Charlie to be just a a, a fabulous human being. C- contrary, he grew up in. Tough times, but he's a wonderful individual, at least to me.
0: And you mentioned Ken Venturi. I I read that you had played several rounds with with Kenny and with Gene Sarazin as well. Had to be a huge thrill to get to spend time with those guys. What do you remember about the times you spent with both of them?
1: Well, I spent this was down in Mark Wildland. I was hooked up with those gentlemen down in nineteen seventy four, seventy-five, whatever it was. And uh I probably played hundred and fifty, maybe two hundred rounds with Kenny. I mean, we played constantly for 20 years down there. And he, Kenny was a fabulous player. So, you know, people remember the old white haired guy on, uh, you know, a telecast for 35 years. But, you know, Kenny was all American, uh, NC All American, uh, Ryder Cup, Walker Cup, uh, won 14 tour events, rookie of the year in 1957, three wins, of course, won the open in 64. And, and he, we, we played a ton of golf. Then I get to meet Mr. Sarazen also down at Marco Island and, and, your audience out there is probably way too young to remember who Gene Sarazen is, but Mr. Sarazen was the first guy to win the career Grand Slam. He won seven majors. uh He, he credited with inventing the modern day sand wedge. He told me in great detail how in 1935, how he won the 35 Masters. You know, he was three behind, standing on the 15, and he parred the ball for him. And he told a wonderful story about it. So, but he knocked in the you know the double eagle, the shot heard around the world, and We'd get together, and, and Eric Parsigian lived down there at the time, and we played, the three of us and somebody else would be in the group, and we played 15, 20 times. Mr. Serves would tell the stories about Bobby Jones and Walter Hagen and Tommy Armour and Francis we met and on and on and on, and then, then Coach would tell the stories about you know, coaching at the Notre Dame. So it was a, a fantastic experience around people like that.
0: So you mentioned Eric Parsigian another guy that had influence on your life. Legendary head coach at Notre Dame. How'd you, you know, getting to play with him and having the experience of not only playing with I mean, being around him on the golf course. I imagine you got to spend some time with him off the golf course as well. What was it like spending time with Coach?
1: Well, he, Coach Coach was a, a wonderful individual and and he could play. He, Chris, he was a two handicap. You, you got to shoot par better to keep up with the coach. But he was he was a wonderful inspiration and he had a fabulous sense of humor and. uh I I attended one game at Notre Dame. I I grew up in Huron, South Dakota, and my mother's Irish Catholic, so I was a Notre Dame fan in and out, and tough to cheer for the Golden Gophers next door in Minnesota, you know, when they won about one game a year, you know. So I was a Notre Dame fan, and before the game, coach had retired, but I walked around campus before the game with him, and he was like, my goodness. He was, you know, people come up, and, you know, I was walking with the coach, and he was telling me stories about Moose Krause, and he he was just – he was – he was dynamic. He was positive. He was funny. He was just he was just fun. he was great to be around. Wonderful individual.
0: Going back to your playing career, you also had two top 10 finishes in the National Club Pro Championship. You're sort of like the, the Michael Block of your time. Talk about those top 10s and competing against the best of your peers.
1: Well, I, I played well in 82 and 84 down in uh, PGA Gardens at PGA National back then. and. I did finish. I think both both times I, I finished uh, tied for tenth, and that was like the first alternate would have put me on the club pro Ryder Cup thing against the you know UK. And but uh, y- you know I played well there. For it seemed like either played well a couple times or I missed the cut. I think I played in seven uh, seven national championships, seven national club pro championships, and then playing well it got me into playing the PGA at Riviera in eighty three and Cherry Hills in eighty five. So. I mean, it, Chris, I mean, I just, for, for me to come, you know, from nine hole sand green golf course from here on, I mean, it's, it's been a, I've been very fortunate. I've been around some great people and I, I made a comfortable living, you know, doing something I just absolutely love.
0: Eric, over the years, you were low professional in several South Florida pro-am tournaments. You set course records in Ohio and Florida. You shot scores of 62 and a, a couple of 63s. Talk about the places that you went out there. And next thing you know, you're setting a course record.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played at Quaker at, uh, at Country Clover Ashland, which is a great old golf course. So the front nine was designed by Willie Park Jr., just a fabulous nine holes. And in the back nine, they had a laid around long before I got there. But yeah, I went out and shot uh, 62 there, I believe it was. And then Twice at Royal Point Santa, we had thirty-six holes down there, and and I shot sixty, sixty-three, and sixty-three on both golf courses. They they've since made it much more difficult. I probably couldn't break eighty now, but it, but back then I mean, the, the one stretch there. I made three eight threes in a row on the front nine. Wow. So I mean, I, I, just, I just, Chris, my my playing resume is very short. So you really did, did some digging to find up some some couple times I played pretty well there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I I. I I got to go in a couple of times, like not very often, but I did a couple of times. So I couldn't keep it up with Mellon, but I, you know, I I played all right a couple of times there.
0: Speaking of that, did did you spend it at all? Did you ever think about getting out on the PGA tour or did you decide early on that becoming a teaching professional was where your calling was at?
1: Well, I, you know, I, Chris, I, I won the uh, South Dakota State Am in 1973. And I mean, you know, the next logical next step for me is the PGA tour, right? So I go down to the Q school down in, uh, Las Cleanest Country Club in Irvine, Texas. And he was a two stager back then. And I missed going to the second stage by, uh, maybe four shots. Didn't play great, but I didn't play my best, but I still played pretty good. So I was finishing up and, and, uh, I, I finished on back nine and shot 36. And I'm thinking, you know, that's pretty good for me. I probably had nine putts. I don't know, but, uh, so I'm thinking, uh, you know, that they're, they're talking about this young phenom coming out of the University of Texas. And I thought, well, I'll watch him play the back nine just to see how I'm going to stack up. You know, who's, who's, who's my competition come the next year? Well, I watched the little general Ben Crenshaw shoot 29 on that nine holes. And I thought he going to fall asleep out there. And uh, so I shot, you know, watched, let's see, old Ben just cut me by seven shots on nine holes. And I said, man, I can learn how to sell shirts and teach if I'm going to be in the golf business. So that was the extent... <laughs> That was the extent of my uh, PGA Tour aspirations right there.
0: <laughs> you uh, started to mention Quaker Ridge, a, a wonderful golf club. It's a historic Tillinghast design up in Scarsdale, New York, known as Tilly's Treasure. It's regularly ranked as one of the top courses in the world, let alone in, here in our country. It dates back to the, the early 1900s. I even read that George Washington and his troops are said to have spent time on the property in 1776. but What was, what was it like being there at Quaker Ridge?
1: I was, uh, I was a teaching professional there in 75, 76, and 77. And Chris, I'll guarantee you, I played that golf course 300 times over those three years. I mean, like you mentioned, it's a Tillinghouse golf course and he was by far my favorite architect of the the golden age of architecture back then. And And it was just a fabulous golf course. And I think as a matter of fact, um, Byron Nelson won his first tournament up there in like 37 or 38 Quaker. It was called the Metropolitan Open, which was a huge event up there. And it's it just, it's a great old Tillinghouse golf course. There's a picture on the, in the clubhouse there that shows a picture of A.W. Tillinghouse and he's, he's got his three piece suit on and fedora hat or whatever they call him. And he, he's standing out there in waist high weeds and he's looking at this chart. And this is how the guy designed the golf course. I mean, he was a genius and they, they had to use, uh, horse, Drawn sleds to to build a thing, and it's at even today, it's still considered one of the great golf courses around. It, it's it, it's a real treasure. As so, a matter of fact, I got to know uh J. C. Sneed a little bit at the Homestead. And J. C. was in that part of the country, and I mentioned Quaker Ridge, and he said, "You know, Quaker Ridge was Sam's favorite golf course in the Northeast." So that'll give you some idea what what Quaker Ridge really is. It was just a great golf.
0: Yeah, and I've heard that of all the great Alcorns, and there's so many out there on Long Island, I've heard people talk about how, boy, they'd really have to think about it. If they had an opportunity to play Shinnecock or Quaker Ridge, it would be a real decision because Quaker Ridge is just that great.
1: I've been fortunate over the years to play a lot of the top, for years, the top 20 out of the 25 or whatever. And, uh, you know, Pebble and Cypress and Augusta and Pebble, I'd have dropped some names on you here and, and Uh, You know Pine Valley, but Quaker Ridge has always been one of my top five. It's just it's one of those hidden jewels. You know, it's a very private, small membership, and it was just just a great experience. I tell people if they ever get a chance, don't ever pass it up because it's one of the good ones, no doubt
0: about it. All right. So everybody that listens to this show regularly knows that Augusta National is my favorite place on the planet. You you threw out there you kind of breezed through that you've played at Augusta. Tell me what that was like
1: uh i got to play i got to play it twice and it was uh yeah you know i I was friends with dave spencer who was a golf professional there and uh, anyway i got to play it one time on the way down to florida and then i had a i had a member maury wad from chicago and he was a member and a long story we, we took the private jet up and played 27 and on and on and on i mean it just i mean i grew up the only TV, the only back in the late fifties, whatever. TV it was, it was a you know we wait for the Masters to come on, and then you get a chance to play it. It's just absolutely fabulous, and the, the, you know the we you know what it's like. I mean, the elevation changes, the severity, of the greens, and all the history there. It was, it was, it was something to behold. It's one of the one of the great experiences of my life. So it, it was, it, it's, it, it's special.
0: You've also got to spend some time with other great instructors in our game, guys like Jim McLean, who's a wonderful friend of this show. You spent some time with John Jacobs, David Ledbetter, Hank Haney, Bob Tosky, Davis Love Jr. Tell me about getting to spend time with them. Did you pick their brains and incorporate a little bit of each of them into your teaching methods or what impact did those guys have on you?
1: Well, a- after, after, <clears throat> after General Van Company by seven shots, like I said, I got to learn how to teach I didn't know a thing about teaching. I think I read Hogan's five fundamentals, you know, and, you know, which is a weak grip, cup it open, uh, uh, cup it at the top, unwind the hips, you know, which is, you know, Chris, which would be great medicine for a world full of slicers. My, you know, my students went from a little slice to a big slice to a shank, you know, so I was able to spend time with a lot of the men, the fellas you mentioned. I to me, John Jacobs was John, John, they were all great teachers. They're all wonderful, spectacular teachers and, and, very accommodating to me well, but John Jacobs to me was the best I ever saw Chris he was when somebody said and I said two words uh simplicity and results the fabulous fabulous teacher so Jim McLean and I have been good friends Jim was at Westchester Country Club teaching while I was at Quaker Ridge and we played golf three four days a week so we, we've been good friends since 1975 and uh, and you mentioned Hank Haney and, and David Ledbetter and uh Bob Tosky and Jim Flick and Davis Love Jr. was Mr. Mr. Love was just a fabulous individual. I didn't get to know all those people that well, but i watched watch them. I, I'd spend hours and days at a time. I'd, I'd catch an airplane flight at Naples, Florida at 6 o'clock in the morning, fly to Orlando, rent a car and go watch John Jacobs teach all day and then catch the flight home. I mean, it was just an opportunity to watch some of those people teach. It was just a wonderful experience for me.
0: The mothers that I read that had influence on you were Jackie Burke and Byron Nelson. That's a heck of a Texas connection. Getting to spend some time with those two guys, what was that like?
1: Well, I got to know Jackie a little bit. You, you got it. You, Jim, Jim, consign, Jim, Clay, on your program. Have Jim talk about Jackie Burke because he was really, you know, he Jim's really good friends with Jackie. But I got to know Jackie and took a lesson from him, and 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 he's one of the smartest individuals golf and business and life i've ever met in my life and he wrote a wonderful book uh, called it's only a game and your viewers your, your listeners out there if they want a good read i mean don't don't pass up reading jackie burke's uh it's only a game it's a sensational book and jackie was just a a wonderful individual and he was jackie was a tough guy i mean he was a good guy but he was a tough guy in world war 2 he uh he, he was in the Marines. He taught physical fitness and hand-to-hand combat to Marines that were going over to Southeast Asia, you know, out of the Southeast Pacific. So, but he was a good guy. Jackie was a good player. He played in the Seven Ryder Cups. He won uh, the Masters of the PGA in '56. Uh, he's the last guy to win four tournaments in a row. I mean, Tiger won seven or eight in a row, but Jackie won four in a row, four consecutive tournaments, which he did in '52, I think it was. So, you know, he he was a sensational player and a, and a fantastic fantastic putter and i I think jim mcclain if you got him jim mcclain told me a story about jackie and again jimmy's a lot better more acquainted than jackie and i but jimmy told me a story about uh billy ray brown going for a putty lesson jackie was a great putter but Mickelson and crenshaw they all went to him for lessons and putting lessons but billy ray went for a a putty lesson and uh billy ray was a good player all-american at houston won three times in the tour so he could really play some. He goes out for a, a putting lesson with Jackie and Jackie throws a cup three balls down about four feet away. And Billy Ray makes the first two. And then, then he, then he lips out the third one. And he says, Oh, darn it. Well, Jackie took his putter that he had in his hand grabbed by the head of the, and whacked Billy Ray across the back of the legs. And Billy Ray said, it went down like it was shot. And he said, he looked up at Jackie and he said, Jackie, what's that for? And he says, son, when you miss a putt, I want you to feel some pain. I mean, <laughs> wow. He, Get Jim to, get Jimmy to tell you some Jackie Burke stories. I mean, it's a wonderful, I mean, he's, again, I didn't know him as well as a lot of people, but when I was around him, he, he was just dynamic and positive, and he was something else. So, uh, yeah, get that book, folks, out there if you want to read a good uh, read Good read there on golf.
0: You were also the director of golf at Royal Poinciana Golf Club down in Naples, Florida. My good friend, another top instructor in our game, Tom Patrick, is down there at in naples at crown colony royal poinciana to your earlier points got a couple of really nice golf courses on it now it looks like a wonderful club talk about your time in naples
1: it was um uh, i was down there at director of golf for 23 years and uh it, you know i was a i was coming out of ashland ohio i i had no i actually had no chance whatsoever to get the job but uh I I got an interview somehow and and I and I my resume the the top name and the references was were Ken Venturi and Gene Sarazan and the the guy went interviewed Mr. Sarazan his doctor who he knew and and Mr. Sarazan said oh that Rick Warner he's a good one don't let him get away so you know somehow I got the job it's a fabulous club it's just a wonderful membership and and it it was a great experience they were just wonderful people down there so it's and I had so many good people working for me, which made my job a lot easier. But it, it it's a it, it's a wonderful club down there. A lot of good clubs down there now. But when I was down there, there were only a couple. So, but it, it's uh, R P is, is is one of the good ones, definitely. I think they still have a nine-year waiting list to get in. They had nine years to get in when I was down yes. there. I know that. So it, it's a good one.
0: You are a member of this year's South Dakota Hall of Fame class. The banquet's coming up next week. What's it going to be like for you to get recognized by your peers, the state of South Dakota, and then be up there on the podium in front of family and friends, getting recognized for all the great accomplishments you've had in your career.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll probably choke like a dog when I get up there on that stage and all that, but, you know, growing up in South Dakota and, and I left, Chris, I left in right after I got out of college in, in 1973. So I've been gone for uh, 50 years and to get the call and, It means a lot. That's all I can say. It means a lot,
0: no doubt. uh, I'm
1: really looking forward to it. I'll practice my speech and try not to choke too bad. But uh, there's so many good people out there. So many friends I haven't seen in a long time. We're we're really looking forward to it.
0: You've had a positive impact on so many people over the course of your career. As you think about your speech and you think about looking back over over your time in the game and all the people that you've touched got to bring a smile to your face to know what a positive impact you've had on so many people.
1: Well, you know, I, that's nice for you to say. I, I hope I did. Uh, I, I I just tried to, I tried to be Rick Warner and do my best. And, you know, I was nothing special. I just tried to do a good job. But some of the names we've mentioned earlier, they were so positive, uh, positive influence on me and inspirations and role models and it was, it was it, it, probably anything I learned, I just passed on. is like some of the kids that call them kids, some of the guys that work for me, some of the people I was around. So it, it's, I mean, golf, you know, Chris growing up, like I said, in Huron, South Dakota, playing a nine hole sand green golf course and, you know, going as far as I have. And, you know, I'm, you know, I was never player of the year or teacher of the year or anything like that, but I had a wonderful experience as a golf professional. And it's, it's, uh, it's something that I'll, I'll treasure forever, and going into the South Dakota Hall of Fame with some of my uh, a lot of my good friends, who we're really looking forward to it. But it, it's it's been a it's been a good ride this golf thing.
0: As you think about your career and all the people that have worked ar- with you and around you, I imagine you have a a pretty extensive coaching tree. They talk about you know Bill Belichick and his coaching tree and all the all the folks that have worked with and around him. I imagine you have a pretty impressive one. Who are some of the great people that? you brought into the game that have now gone on in their in their areas and then you know their careers and have done really great things
1: well i was fortunate because i i always hired i always tried to hire i say somebody smarter than me which wasn't it didn't take too much you know but i always tried to hire good people because i knew if they would make a golf professional look good or bad but i always tried to hire good people and i was fortunate to have some some excellent young men and women that worked with me there, and, and, and several of them, several went out to be head golf professionals. And and uh, one of my good friends, he's uh, Jim McLean's right hand man, Glenn Farnsworth. He's probably the best unknown people don't know about the teaching with uh, Jimmy down there in Doral and in South Florida for 30 years. And John Allen, a good friend of mine, he's been over at the Sunnydale Golf Club in, in Philadelphia for decades. And, and I've had so many, and it's just hard to, but it was. If I had a positive inspir, you know, influence on all those people, I, I I'm glad I did. But they had a positive influence on me too. I know that. So it's 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 been a good run.
0: Rick, before I let you go, what's next for you? I know you 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 left uh, Naples and and retired from down there. But what's what's next up for you?
1: Well, we're living up in Lexington, Virginia. It's a nice little town, about eight, uh, 8,000. We got two good universities here, BMI and W. Washington University. And we got five grandchildren and uh, a wonderful golf course. And, uh, we spend time here and we're going to go down and spend a little bit of time down at PJ Village after the first year. Or so I've got my wife here. She's my, my lovely wife, Judy. She's a, she got down to a 10 handicap. It's gone back up a little bit because of the grandchildren keep her busy, but we play golf and, and just. Enjoy a simple life up here in the Shenandoah Valley. So it uh, things are still going good for us here, Chris.
0: Rick, is there a way for our listeners to stay up to date with you, whether it's following you online or it's on social media?
1: Oh my goodness, Chris! I I gotta say I'm I'm stuck in the '60s, Chris. I you know <laughs> it's, I don't even know how to I can barely text, so I, I'm not into any of that at all. So believe me, there's not that much going on. But uh, my my wife, Judy, could pick up on some of that stuff, but it, it's, uh I'm, I, I still do snail mail, you know, I still get the envelope <laughs> in the mailbox.
0: Sometimes. That's great. That's well, Rick, it has been great getting to spend time with you and having you as part of the show this week. I hope we get the privilege of catching up with you again sometime soon, because I feel like with all the people that you've been in and around and all the things that you've done over the course of your career, we've just really... Scratch the surface on the great things that you got to be a part of. I hope we get the opportunity to do again sometime soon.
1: Well, Chris, I can't thank you enough, and we really enjoy your program. So uh, good luck with your program, and we'll stay in touch. Thank you.
0: I appreciate it. Congrats again on the Hall of Fame. All the best to you, your wife, Judy, and the family. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, Chris. See you, Rick. Bye-bye. That was the great Rick Werner, and again, he's going next week into the South Dakota Golf Hall of Fame. The number of things that Rick got to do and be a part of and the people that he was around and learned from really speaks to what a great player and person he was. He's very humble, really downplays his impact, but the number of places that he's been, the number of people that he got to be a part of and got to know and wanted to be around him and he got to be around tremendous tremendous and i'm sure his coaching tree is just as big and full as it could possibly be Want to try to get some of the guys that he mentioned to come on the show and uh, and talk about rick and obviously their careers but uh, and then obviously follow up with jim mcclain and bill mallin as well but uh rick's a tremendous player and a tremendous guy and like i say just far too humble i really thank him for his time tonight and being a part of this week's show And uh, like I say, I hope we get the privilege of getting a little bit deeper into some of the things and the people that he got to do over the course of his career. Get back in touch with him again soon. All right, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this very special segment of Next on the T. Scheduled to join me next week are Top 50 LPGA instructor Kelly Stenzel. We'll be back on the show. I've been trying to get Kelly back on for a while now, so it's going to be great to finally get an opportunity to catch up with her. Seven-time Canadian Ladies' Long Drive champion Lisa of luswick will make a long overdue return to the show. And like I mentioned earlier, Gabby Powell's co-host on Three Courses, Hannah Liner, will join me as well. So it's going to be a really fun show, folks. I hope you'll come back and join us and be a part of it with us. Folks, you can find this show available as a podcast just about everywhere you get your podcast content. In particular, we're out there on triblive.com. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Boom, Player.fm, and on Good Pods. And my thanks to those folks for making this show one of their recommended podcasts. Please download their free app and stream your favorite podcast right there on your favorite device. But most of all, my sincere thanks to all of you for being the greatest supporters in the history of podcasts. I appreciate you all so very much. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.